everybody. Welcome to another AdOps Podcast. This week on the podcast, Victor Lopez is back to talk about all things media buying. Victor Lopez is one of our first guests. He recorded a great and very popular episode on the trends and the type of spending that media buyers actually care about, which is very insightful to some of our publisher listeners. This time he's back to talk about programmatic media buying in 2016 and kind of where the industry is. It seems like programmatic took a while to get on brands' radars, but in talking to Victor now, it seems like roughly 90% of Havas's clients have switched over to some form of programmatic, and they're seeing programmatic not only direct response campaigns, but branding campaigns grow year after year. Victor is the programmatic media director at Havas, and he's recently expanded to cover other channels outside of just ad networks and exchanges into kind of all forms of social media buying. Victor's a great person to talk about this industry because he's really on the ground, runs a large team at Havas, and is great to talk to about not only hiring, but the directions that brand campaigns are going, what a complex brand campaign looks like, and what changing trends do you have to keep updated in the industry. I want to thank everybody who's responded well to our subscriber push. We're trying to grow our subscriber base as much as we can over the next couple of weeks. The real driving force behind this is not only so that you know the podcast reaches more people, but the more people we have in our subscriber base, the more access to guests we have. Programmatic media is kind of a notoriously difficult topic to learn about, and both of our last two podcasts on latency with both Gabe and Manny came from introductions from someone in our subscriber base, which is fantastic, and we wouldn't have had those podcasts podcast had we not had the subscriber base that we do. So if you know anyone in the programmatic media world, be them ad ops people or programmatic sales people or kind of anyone who's interested in this part of the media space, you can send them our way at adpipes.io slash blog and they subscribe and they'll get both our podcasts and our weekly newsletter that summarizes the news. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Victor. Hey everybody, welcome to another ad ops podcast. This week, we're back with Victor Lopez again, who was one of our early guests. How's it going, Victor? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Kind of the first episode we did was just kind of on like general perceptions of media buying, uh, what media buyers actually care about. It was super well received, so we want to do a part two. And I'd kind of introduce your title, but I think you've been promoted since last time. Is that right? Uh, somewhat. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm now working with uh, what we call specialties. It's basically the, the digital department, and, and it goes beyond just programmatic uh off into you know social media search and then mobile as well. So a lot a lot of different things happening recently. So it's in a way you're managing essentially all the channels someone would buy through. Right, exactly. Yeah, and still have a boss. Yeah, still have a boss. Yeah, it's interesting. In a way, it kind of puts you in a better position to talk about probably kind of what we initially wanted to talk about, which is kind of like clients' perceptions of programmatic media. I mean, there's like this narrative in the industry that everything's growing, programmatic grows year after year, but there's also still this counter narrative of fraud, bad attribution, etc. Probably a logical place to start. Kind of which sense do you get that clients have a programmatic media and like where is that in their overall spend? The sense that they have has to do with, you know, their their level of, of knowledge on, on programmatic and I guess that that will yield different, you know, different opinions. If I can if yeah, if I can just say that uh so far what what comes to mind is that that famous quote from Mahatma Gandhi you know, first they ignore you, then they ridicule you, then they fight you, and then you win. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of been that sort of struggle with programmatic specifically, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but but I think with, with any new media, clients and, and people in general get into a habit of, of buying or doing the same things and, and changes isn't always easy, especially when it... Uh, 
especially programmatic, it seemed to come in out of nowhere and it was just sort of taking over everything. So, so I think at first, uh, people didn't really want to hear about it. Let's just keep doing whatever we were doing before. Then it's like, come on, we really should. Uh, these are the benefits, et cetera. Well, yeah. now you know, I'm, I'm doing fine with, with what I'm doing now, et cetera. And then eventually, I think though a lot have a, a lot of them, and, and we've we've come a long way in, in the past, you know, three or four years that, that we've been doing it. I, I think there's, you know, I, I would say at least a ninety percent acceptance rate from our clients. And you get the sense that more spend is shifting over to programmatic? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, at least from traditional digital to to programmatic, uh, I, I see it for sure. Interesting. And yeah, that's kind of the, the logical counter question. Where's the spend coming from? You think it's just coming out of digital direct? I think, yeah. And we can cover this with some of your other questions because it obviously all ties in. But yeah. a lot of it is actually coming from, from TV, which is really good news for us. Yeah. There have been, uh, you know, some clients, at least one or two off the top of my head that have moved all of their TV budget to programmatic. So, so very, very, very good. And you get that the sense that's because it's more trackable, or they thought TV wasn't working. Yeah, well, one part is is more trackable. The next part, uh, and a lot of it, also just comes down to efficiency. Um, you know, if they can save a buck and get uh, similar results, then you know why not? Yeah, so just lower execution costs instead of yeah. what I assume is either calling or emailing people to buy TV spots. Right. Exactly. And kind of one of the other things we wanted to touch on is kind of programmatic for branding versus programmatic for some sort of direct response marketing. Like, are the branding dollars moving into programmatic? And if so, do you think that's a good thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, a big part of branding is, is reach and, and storytelling. Um, I, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find something that has more reach than, than a good, you know, programmatic platform. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When, when it comes to storytelling, I mean, when, when you combine, say, cross device targeting programmatic with dynamic creatives and a good pixeling strategy, I mean, you can, you can tell quite a story with, with all those things and, and doing it correctly. So you could be served, you know, a, a banner in, in, in app on, on mobile. Followed by, you know, a video while you're on desktop, followed by a Facebook newsfeed and, and have, you know, tell that, that story. So I think it is, it is a huge part of programmatic and, and where, you know, a lot of the new dollars are coming from is from branding. But I, I think the, the important thing to remember for branding is metrics. A lot of branding clients have, you know, sometimes aren't used to or don't want to go beyond, you know, the basic metrics that they've done uh, with other digital, which is like dwell time or time on site. I think, yeah, I think if you can come up with with some sort of custom metrics for your brand and site, uh, it's really uh, something powerful and will ultimately leads to a higher ROI, which is the goal anyway. And you got to think as programmatic evolves, in a way, like programmatic buying strategies have to evolve. Like, are there types of campaigns that use multiple channels together that you think are more effective? Like, what does like intelligent programmatic buying versus look like just, you know, blasting creatives out and not really tracking? I think the first step to being intelligent when doing any digital buying, especially programmatic, is just, you know, having uh, right tracking, uh, right pixeling. Because if you don't know where, you know, what's happening after they click, I mean, 
know, what's the point, honestly? So that, that, that's the first step. Um, second step is to have a clear, you know, KPI. Again, if you just kind of want to send it to your site without having a good landing page and a good call to action and something, um, you know, a hard metric to measure against, and you kind of need to step back and reevaluate why, why you're spending those dollars. Yeah, do you get the sense that like clients know to do that, or is it like how almost evolved are most clients? Clients in general have, have evolved, but they have they have been adapting more. Uh, we've been asking for a lot of these things for a very long time, even before programmatic. Um, you know, access to site. A lot of a lot of the big clients have a lot of red tape to go through in order to allow you know a simple tag or pixel placed on their site. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's been a struggle. But I think everybody's, or at least most people, are, are, are coming around and, and are also expecting different different things. Um, you know, clients now are bringing up uh, transparency, you know, um, things like that, uh, view through rate, etc. So it, it's definitely a different conversation than we were having even three years ago. And do you like where do you get the sense client needs are going to evolve to? Like, are there parts of programmatic? That are just not on a client's radar yet, such as you know, fraud. Sure, um, I think a, a huge, a huge area of growth is video. Video has initially it was it was simply, you know, running display and kind of the, the regular regular stuff, standard standard stuff, type stuff. But we're seeing more, you know, more video. We're seeing more rich media and programmatic. We're seeing more even takeovers, skins, you know, that that sort of thing where. Before we wouldn't have, you know, gone the programmatic route for that. And, and it's because now those are also tied into, you know, campaigns that follow up on Facebook and, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's definitely involved, I think, for the better. It's interesting. And it makes total sense that they'd want to find a user in more than one channel. Yeah, exactly. So one of the interesting questions that came up is the kind of concept of supply and demand within programmatic media. So. You gotta figure that the supply for advertising space is just increasing every year. Like it's easier to create content. It's easier to spin up sites. More and more <laughs> publishers are created every year. Do you get a right. sense that this is like shifting demand at all? Or do you figure there's still roughly the same amount of brands spending roughly the same amount of dollars? Oh, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. It, it depends, I think, on, on the, on the brand type. You know, these big brands, it's funny. They either come in and dump a bunch of money one year and then the next year sometimes they'll hold back a lot. Yeah. Which is scary. A lot of it depends on, on areas where we're, we're targeting. Brands want to, for example, go out into international markets, specific countries, smaller countries. Sometimes that you know, what they want just isn't there. You know, I can't segment to a specific data segmentation, uh, likely car buyers in Costa Rica. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because they're just, there's 10 people that are probably tagged for that. And so it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of gauge that. And it's, I think it's on a case by case basis, but supply, I mean, I don't think there's any shortage of it. Good supply is probably less so uh, yeah, in general, true. you know, just because it, it, it seems our, our habits of where we spend time and the, the, the publishers that are putting out content uh, seem to have, you know, we, there's a lot of that clickbaity stuff out there, which I think is it gets views and it gets clicks, but how qualitative is it, you know? 
Are you still primarily Latin America focused? Some, somewhat, but this this year I think uh, we we've pivoted back to to U.S. Uh, just because, for your listeners that aren't aware, there's a huge economic crisis in in Latam. Uh, yeah. You know the currencies have been devalued, you know, 30-40%, and so people are, are holding on to their, their money. Yeah, I mean, if you look at kind of the rough trend of economic cycles, it's um, it's approaching market crash time again. Yeah, exactly. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's got to be very different buying in kind of an emerging market like Latin America that just has less internet penetration and PCs and probably a higher percentage of mobile phones versus desktop. Kind of what's different about buying in an emerging market versus, you know, somewhere like the U.S. or Europe? When you decide to go international, I would say there's there's a couple things to keep in mind. And, it, and I think it depends also where the client is based. If a, a client is based, for example, in U.S. or U.K., I don't think uh, a lot changes as far as their expectations their, and, and their knowledge as well. So they're probably looking for a lot of the similar things, you know, ROI, conversions, Etc. Um, what what they need to understand about you know those markets is that depending on the country, I mean, last time is kind of painted with a broad brush, but uh, individually they're they're very you know very different. Um, so, for example, if you want to do uh, e-commerce, uh, you might want to stick to Brazil and Chile because yeah. users there have you know a little more experience, uh, are not as hesitant to buy online. And so it, it might be worth your while. If you decide to go elsewhere, you would do well to do a phone uh, campaign, for example, click to call, because even though they see it online, they still want that phone number to call in. Yeah, but I mean, buyers are there. It's just a different way of getting them to, to convert. If, you know, it's it's reversed and let's say, or not reversed, but if your client is in an emerging market like, you know, LATAM, you can expect to hear them want, you know, very basic metrics still. Um, uh, they're, they're still looking sometimes at you know a click-through rate, which we know doesn't really mean much. Yeah. Um, so it, it it takes a lot more educating them than than it would you know somebody from US UK one of the more advanced markets. And, and you you brought up a good point. Um, Latam definitely has a higher mobile penetration rate than regular desktop, which I think is an excellent opportunity. However, a lot of the clients in the you know the advertisers in Latam specifically don't yet have apps or responsive sites so they're losing they're losing out i think a lot of a lot of opportunity there yeah it's interesting to think about in the emerging world there's obviously way more mobile phone penetration than yeah. desktop penetration and realistically there may never be desktop penetration like those sure. markets may be may evolve to just be mobile um, sure. you don't really think about it from the opportunity perspective that any brands that can set up mobile responsive sites are probably in a great place exactly yeah we, we we've seen a couple of um couple of publishers in in Brazil, uh, that have you know just dominated e-commerce because basically nobody else did, um, and you know the eBay's and Amazons aren't as developed uh, out there. So yeah, and then also you got to think about giving you know if it's a big client and they want to bring their their U.S. brand to to Latin, you may want to consider rebranding it just because of the the nature of you know cultural uh, whatever. It it takes a little. You know, getting getting used to and, and takes a little time to to read up on and learn. Um, I, I always remember 
I remember this this brand. It was a, I, I believe it was Mitsubishi who launched a car in I don't remember what country. It was in South America, and they named it Pajero. Now, for those of, of your listeners that don't know Spanish, Pajero basically means a serial masturbator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So it's like nobody did their market research, you know? Yeah. What do they just like choose a Spanish sounding word? I, I don't know. It, 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 they want it to sound like a, like passenger because it's a very similar word in Spanish. Uh, okay. Pajero, but change the S for a J and you have, you know, <laughs> something pretty <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Chevy launched the Nova, which my Spanish is very limited, but no and va, doesn't that mean doesn't go? Exactly. It means yeah. doesn't go. So, I mean, you're just asking for ridicule and no sales. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. One of the other questions that kind of came up from the Reddit audience is kind of your, yeah. not trust is the right word, but like your thoughts on data partners used for targeting. Like, likely car buyers like how do you think of uh almost like data providers and like what trust do you put in them sure oh man data data providers oh god that's that's a tough one i, I mean it's got to be good ones and bad ones <laughs> i don't know i don't know any good ones yet honestly <laughs> okay <laughs> you know? maybe bad ones and like kind of acceptable <laughs> ones i i think you know the thing with data providers it, it I think there's a lot of opportunity there. It, it's definitely when you read up on it and you you know see it in a presentation, it's it's amazing. You're like, wow, I can you know I can target somebody who is going to travel to New York within seven days and you know etc. It gets really specific, and it would be incredible to actually you know reach those people at that exact point in time. But the truth is, a lot of that data is you know 30, 60 days old. Yeah. And, you know, it just doesn't, it's, it, it's past the, that intent or that interest is, is probably gone. So you're not, you're not hitting them at the right time. And, and I mean, the, the tests that I have run, it, it, they have been, you know, very mediocre at best yeah. with, with third party data providers. I, I, I don't know. May, I, I try and test new ones because you never know, but. It's not something that has to be on a plan, for example. Yeah, and you'd think that you know that data is going to be provided in a hierarchy, so you could probably trust the first couple levels of like is probably male, like lives in New York City, yeah, uh, think, lives in yeah. a certain zip code, but gets all the way down to intent of like yeah, you know, intends exactly. on purchasing a home, like that. That's probably very hard to map out. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 true. But you figure like as this industry evolves, like they're probably going to get better at that. So it would make sense that you would keep testing new sources. Yeah. Like as technology improves, they could actually get to a point where, you know, you Googled home ownership in the last seven days, they're going to actually get that to you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think the second part to that question on, uh, the guy from Reddit was, um, how, how is that data captured? I'll, I'll just explain it real quickly. I mean, I'm not an expert on it. I know some of it, but if you go to Kayak, for example, and you have Ghostry, uh, installed in your browser, you'll see that there, you have an Exalate and a, Blue Kai uh, tag on their pixel. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that, you know, that uh, you fill out a form, you know, you're looking for flights, et cetera. Say I'm traveling from Miami to New York in, you know, 30 days. Well, what happens is when I fill out that form, all that data is captured and it automatically identifies me as a traveler, you know, likely traveling to New York within the next 30 days. And then that gets, you know, sold back into like basically I get cookied and sold 
you know, sold on, on the exchanges um, through Blue Kai or whoever it may be. Do you get the sense that most of the data they sell is accurate or you think we're still in kind of like speculative phases? Like, have you used any campaigns where you feel like that was a huge help? I don't I don't think any campaign it was a huge help. Um, there was some some that were OK, but I think by far I've had, we've had more uh, more success running contextual type stuff for you know prospecting. It seems like programmatic media buying is still kind of an up and coming industry. Like, how do you think about kind of people looking to get into the industry? Like, do you guys generally hire young kids or college kids or people with quantitative backgrounds? What we look for, I mean, we're 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 in a city that doesn't have very much digital talent as it is. You guys so, are in Miami, right? Yeah, we're yeah. in Miami. So, yeah. So what happens is, I generally try to avoid people with a background in traditional media or even regular digital media if they have not been exposed to. To programmatic, um, cause they, they, they come with a preconceived notion of how media should be bought. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, yeah, it's very difficult to, to change habits, especially when they've been kind of cemented over years. Ideally, uh, we would hire somebody, uh, with an economics degree, financial background, basically anybody that can pay attention to detail and, and, and train them. And that, that's, that's really about it. Uh, beyond that, I mean, unless you make a good impression on me, uh, it's it's it would it would fall into those two fields. And, and we've we've seen that the people that have come in with no digital, no programmatic experience have picked up, you know, programmatic in three to six months, far better than people that have a traditional media background where we've been training for you know months and years, for example. Yeah, you think as the media world gets more and more programmatic, you'll have more people transition over from the financial industry. Have you seen like any of the types of complexity on the buy side that exists in the financial world of like forecasting and arbitrage and all that stuff? Well, there is um, some some of that going on, especially with our, our analytics here. Um, they, they delve deeper in, into that that sort of thing. But I would say not as complex yet, but it's only, I think, because... Our clients, at least in here, are not at that level yet where they require something so so complex. So probably depends by by office, by city. Yeah. And what are kind of your most complex clients ask for? Basically, they want everything. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they they really want to see the whole picture. They really want to see, um, you know, attribution. Uh, they want to see. Just how, you know, everything stacks up against everything. What, what helps what? And then, you know, they, they could be a handful, but those, those are the clients that, you know, really, you know, challenge us to, to stay up to date, um, to, you know, do more. So it, it helps us keep it going as far as, you know, learning new things and, and staying, staying, you know, on track and, and, and what, cause it, I mean, it seems like every week there's, there's something new that you need to look into. Should we, you know, buy that? Should we not? A lot of these clients always ask for, for, you know, if, if we go back, for example, with a plan that had whatever they had on last time and some modifications, it's like, well, show me something new. You know, in my mind, I'm like, well, this worked last time. Why, why do you need to see anything new? But so, yeah, constantly asking for, for things, wanting to see everything. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense that they, they're going to have evolving requests as the market evolves. Sure. Probably like, you know, this time last year, 
I don't know if Instagram had an ad API out yet. Right. All right, sweet, yeah. man. That was most of my questions. Cool. Yeah. Kind of anything you want to pass along to the, the larger ad op slash programmatic world? <laughs> Nothing for now, man. I, I, on your, on the branding point that we, that we talked about, I'm going to, I'm, I'm creating an infograph on, you know, the metrics that, you know, branding clients should, should be looking at optimally. Oh, yeah. And if you guys are interested in, uh, I, I recently published a very in-depth step-by-step guide on, how to set up a cam- 